You're listening to the Real Recruiting Story Podcast, where current college baseball players reflect on the recruiting process. Every player has a personal story that hasn't been shared until now. The quest to get committed by a college doesn't have to be a difficult journey. Mark Wright has coached dozens of high school baseball players, helping literally hundreds of showcase players navigate the next chapter of their careers. And now, here's your host, Mark Wright. All right, welcome to the show, Nick Morabito. Nick, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to hop on this thing and you know, get it going. Yeah, that's awesome. So you got to be excited. Draft's still going on. You're just a couple days out of getting drafted. Let us all live vicariously through you over the last couple days. Let's talk about draft day. When the draft starts, are you at your house? Who's at your house? What time are you at your house, like buckling down and getting ready to go? Like, give us a play by play of that day before you actually get drafted. Yeah. So uh, I was at my house. I was with my family and a couple of friends, and we watched the whole thing, the whole draft, and started at seven, and we were locked in after that. It took a while, though. It took a lot longer than I thought. In the first round, I remember, I think there was like 15 picks in like two hours. And I was like, oh my goodness, how long is this going to last? But things started to pick up. I just remember being on my couch for like four and a half hours until, you know, I got that first call. But yeah, it took a while. I thought, honestly, I thought I was going to get picked a little sooner, but I'm still pretty happy with getting picked. And I was nervous. I was very nervous the whole time. Sure. Well, sure. Well, you said you got your first call. So how many teams that day or day prior, like in general, had you been talking to that seemed really serious? Like we did it out, could get drafted by X number of teams. What do you think the number was? Yeah, I think it was about six teams. I think there were six teams that had like a legit shot at taking me. So I had a pretty good idea, but yeah. Which is good. And I think I remember that was about maybe fewer teams that actually got into the mix on their college recruiting. I mean, there were plenty of teams that were interested in Nick Morabito for a variety of reasons. It couldn't get six people on the phone initially, you know, making a bunch of offers, which is why I'm excited to talk to you about this. And how you got to where you were. Before we shift again to recruiting, do you have any other updates? Draft just happened. Draft's still ongoing. Are you reporting anywhere anytime soon? Or you got to wait a couple more days? Yeah, I mean, that? the Mets, they got to they gotta wait till the drafts are over before they, you know, give me a bunch of information. But all I know is I think I leave here in a few days. So that's all I know for right now. Cool. All right. Good stuff. So let's go back. College recruiting. When you think of the process, was it? Easier than you thought, harder than you thought, or what you thought, talking to all your friends and family before you? It was way harder than I thought, honestly. It was, it was a struggle for me a little bit. You know, I had originally, I had originally started getting recruited the summer going into my sophomore year. Um, I remember Virginia Tech was the first team that started having an interest in me. And I think Jamie was a little interested in me that summer as well. And that summer, they had started recruiting me at the beginning of that summer. And, you know, I thought by the end of that summer, it was going to be a done deal. I was going to be committed to Virginia Tech and I wouldn't have to worry. That wasn't the case. You know, they started recruiting me. I played in front of them a bunch of times and didn't do too hot. So my relationship with them kind of fell off after that. So sophomore year comes around, high school season, and then COVID hits, which was just the worst for recruiting. It was terrible. Oh, obviously slowed everybody's process, right? Yeah. So that summer going into junior year, it was, it was hard, you know, no coaches could come out and watch you play. Everything was done through videos and, you know, you were my coach at the time. So 
you know, you were on the phone all the time, videos, whatever it was, just to try to get me and, you know, my other teammates recruited. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a struggle. And I think I remember my first offer came in like the middle of that summer. It was from George Mason after the Virginia Commonwealth game. And they were the first team to offer me. And then I got like two more mid-major offers after that. And so, you know, always- Were you dead set against a mid-major or were you just waiting to let it play out? Well, I wanted to go to Virginia Tech from the start. You know, I think you knew that too. And I was waiting for them. You know, I was waiting for Virginia Tech. And my relationship with them kind of rekindled at the beginning of that summer. You and Coach Coangelo and others were in contact with them all the time while we were playing. And in my heart of hearts, I thought I could play at Virginia Tech. And that's really what I was waiting for. So, And what do you think slowed the process, whether it was Virginia Tech or remember while we were still waiting for Virginia Tech to get back serious, you started showing interest in other big schools. What was it that may have slowed people down besides COVID? You know, that's a good question. You know, my first and initial thought is just COVID. I thought I would have had offers if there wasn't COVID and people were coming to watch me, but you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was my size a little bit. I was smaller. I wasn't as, as uh, toned out or whatever. Um, that, and, you know, maybe just like at that point, I didn't have any tools that were as outstanding as others. Like maybe my power wasn't there as much or my arm. I mean, what, what, what do you that, think? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you're hitting on the limit. COVID's slowing it. You weren't that physical yet. You were told that. So as good a player as you were, you had to get stronger. And I think it's a good story because people are told these things and they sound cliche, but then over the course of that year, even like at six month blips, it was like, Jesus, is he playing football? Is he going to be a running back? But your size changed. And then it was like, well, you got to get a big arm or fast neck, like one of the two. And both of them started to change. But again, like freakish fast, like change over the course of the year, like your speed was like almost like, hey, double check that again. We should have a couple watches on that. Like, let, let's get him on laser. Like, you made big jumps in your strength, made big jumps in your speed. And then I definitively remember talking about, hey, man, you don't have to hit the all fields. Can't just hit the one field. I remember the day I think we were at Diamond Nation. I contacted Corsa and Clangelo. Like, Morabito was just hitting the run stops and field now. Like, he's just bored. He can only bowl. So all weekend, he's hit all like the right field. And Carson's like, you're joking. And I was like, no, like it's like a movie. You made like huge changes, man. So you definitely, regardless of the fact that we could say people missed on you and they should have saw the projectability, someone should have said, I could probably work with him as a hitting coach and as a college guy. And you did it. Which I mean, I think that was the biggest thing. You were a night and day difference, like 12 months later. Big kudos to you. Thank How you. did you get so fast? Like you went from a, you must have dropped four or five tenths off for 60 time in a year. Over the course of two years, I went through three speed coaches. It started during COVID. I was seeing this guy, me and my brother were seeing this guy for like six, seven, eight months. I don't remember, but he was working with us during COVID. We were meeting with him at high school fields and stuff. And he actually ended up moving to Boston, and, but he was great. And he, he helped me shave some time off my 60. And after that, I was seeing me and my brother again, we were seeing his girl for speed and she was awesome too. And this was, this was junior year, winter or whatever. We were meeting with her outside and didn't, didn't matter how cold, whatever. This was going on for like two years. We were doing it like two to three times a week. And then the baseball season came around. I couldn't see her as much. And for the last, I want to say five, six months, I started seeing this guy in, uh, 
I want to say the beginning of the last off season. He was a uh, he was a track guy at Bucknell, and he's like one of the best track guys at Bucknell ever. And he's been great. Also, I mean, I, I saw him last week like twice, and been working with him for a while. And you know, it's it's been that the speed coaching and definitely lifting has helped me a lot too. So, so give us a day in the life, or actually, let's go in a week of Nick Morabito. What do you do to train? Lifting? How often are you doing speed? How often are you lifting? Anything else? Notable because like I said, you made a big change. You got recruited by a power five, just got drafted. I mean, you're, you're still a high school age kid, but you're freakish. So what did you do to make yourself freakish? Cause two years ago, people didn't think you were freakish. Yeah, I will definitely the off season is where I'm doing the most stuff. Definitely the off season. So typical day during the week, I'm trying to lift like five, six times a week. I mean, there was definitely weeks in the off season where I was lifting like seven days a week literally it's just so like a part of me now that i feel guilty if i don't well that's ill-advised seven days a week point is you definitely commit to lifting that's awesome yeah so and that's that's where i got obviously a lot of my strength and explosiveness and stuff and now i was probably hitting four four times a week i see my uncle once a week he's been my hitting coach forever and you know that's really where i I pride myself on, on my hitting this is from him. I've learned everything from him. And so him and I hit with my dad and my brother in my backyard and in our cage, like three times a week, um, you know, and as the summer, you know, the summer has been going around me, my brother and my dad have been hitting probably like every day. Um, and our routine is, you know, we'll head off the tee and, and then we'll do machine. And that's just, it's kind of religiously like mach- machine. I love to hit off the machine. I feel like it's a necessity, fast pitching seeing it fast and you know our cage we have it at 60 feet so it looks like a pitcher everything we try to do is unorthodox so we're never going to see the same speed my dad when he throws bp it's not just going to be straight fastballs it's he's going to mix in different pitches and and you know that's that's kind of what i do and besides hitting and lifting when you do your speed is it in the morning afternoon night does it vary well it's usually in the afternoon i'm gonna say like two three four yeah, I don't, I don't like to do morning stuff. I'm not a morning guy. And then what about a diet? Did you do anything different with your diet over the last year, year and a half? Not really. I've, you know, I, I've never had like a nutrition plan or anything like that. I try to eat healthy. You know, I don't really eat bad foods. You know, I don't like drink soda. You don't eat clean like Jason Mendler does, do you? <laughs> no, Jason, Jason Mendler is a, he, he's got a different type of diet. Not a, I'm not a Jason Mendler diet type of guy. Well, the rest of the group, Jason Mendler is going to the high point, but he played with, uh, Morbido and everybody just choked on them. Whenever when they'd go out to eat at the team, they'd all be just pounding their faces with French fries and burgers and metal cleany. Yeah, I remember. I remember one time we were at dinner and he ordered mashed potatoes and he sent them back because there was butter on the mashed potatoes. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But yeah, I don't really have like a specific, you know, nutrition plan or anything. I try to eat three meals a day. I'm I'm trying to eat a lot, obviously, maintain my weight. A lot of chicken. I love chicken, chicken and rice, and a lot of water, a lot of water. I try to drink a gallon a day, so. Good, good stuff. So what do you think now are your two best tools? If you were to, you're talking to, let's just say, forget the draft. What if for some reason something happened, Virginia Tech changed over, we had to try to get recommitted again. What would we lean in and say are your two best tools? Yeah, I would say definitely my hit tool my ability to hit for average, hit for power, and then my speed tool, ability to run, base running, whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. Do you know yours time down home to first, or do you know your 60? Oh, the best 60 I ever ran was a stopwatch for high school tryouts. was like a 6.35, I think. 
And then home to first, I'm going to say like a, I don't even know, three, nine, four, oh, four, one. Imagine you're four, four low something. Yeah. You know, four low something. That's good. And what about your exit velocity? What's your exit velocity? I haven't done like an actual exit velocity off the tee in forever. I want to say like BP, maybe like with wood, like 106. I haven't done like T exit velocity. You say that pretty casually too. I mean, it's impressive to be over 100 for a high school kid. Really, really mm -hmm. good. Let's talk again right before you're getting your author phone, Virginia Tech. During that process, were you frustrated, tired, or excited through the whole thing? I definitely say frustrated. I was pretty upset I wasn't getting the looks that I wanted to, and it was grueling, but, you know, I stuck to it. And I think the thing that really helped me out the most was I reached out to so many schools, and you can vouch for me as well, like the amount of times me and my dad would text you or call you about schools, and, you know, we'd email whatever, prospect camps, whatever it was. You know, my self-advertising stuff that, you know, I did and me and my dad did and, you know, always reaching out to you and Coach Coangelo and Coach Carson, you know, the stuff that I did trying to help myself was definitely the thing that helped me get recruited. You know, I wasn't waiting back, waiting for, I wasn't going out there and just playing and waiting for people to come and see me. I did the most I could. Um, and my dad helped me a lot with that. So, oh man, you did. I mean, if anything, you definitely you coached your dad up on a couple of things you didn't need to do. He was definitely giving you the best opportunity to put you in front of everybody and anything, any sort of scouting events. I know you did. Well, college camps, you know, you went to PBRs, perfect games, and I think you did the best to get your exposure. What do you think of the PBR event at Lake Point, your underclass? That seemed like that that was a pretty good event that you went to. Didn't you go to the one in, in Atlanta? Was it in Atlanta? Yeah, it was in Atlanta. I kind of had low expectations going into that, but once I got there, it was, I mean, the amount of talent that was there and the amount of college coaches that were there was ridiculous. I was blown away. Yeah, there was, I mean, every, I just remember like all the pitching I saw was just ridiculous. And that was, that was really good. I forgot, I forgot what that event's called. Is it the state games or? It was state games. It was in Atlanta. I think it's, that's their, I think it's their underclass. It's all they, they oh, committed yeah. and yeah, it turned into a, a really good event. Again, not that any of us thought it was going to be a bad event. I just think we we're trying to manage your and your dad's expectations and then getting the readouts from you guys. And then me getting calls from different colleges, schools that. Some of which you never contacted. And like you said, you did a great job putting yourself out there and contacting colleges by email and whatnot. But you obviously got great exposure because there were a lot of schools that, that were asking about you for that event. So definitely a worthwhile event to go to. So once you commit, you're going to tech. Let's talk about your high school season. Can't overlook that. You guys just won it all. At what point in your high school season did you know that you guys were, were going to win it and win the championship? Is it the beginning of the year, middle of the year? Did you catch fire at the end of the year? Usually it's um, not a coincidence that great players are a part of great teams. I'm sure you were a big part of it, but putting that aside, when did you know your team was going to be really good this year? Gonzaga obviously won the championship. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the year, I knew, I knew we were really good. The team that we had was definitely a step up from the teams that the Gonzaga teams I previously played for, but there were ups and downs. The whole year, um, I remember in like the middle of the season, right before we went to uh, Myrtle Beach for our spring break trip, we had lost like four in a row. And I was just like, this, this, I don't know. I don't know if we can do it. After that Myrtle Beach trip, things kind of started to turn around a little bit. And I think once the playoffs started and I, we beat PBI on that Sunday, 
I'm in a pretty good game. And I was like, you know, we have a legitimate shot here. And I remember actually after the the first, so for the WCAC, it's three game series in the semis and in the championship. I remember. Which I love that. Your guys' format's way better. It's yeah. Thanks, Jane. And I remember after the first, the first O'Connell game, we faced Jack O'Connor and we had lost and we were down on ourselves, but both times we had played and we'd actually done pretty good. And still, even after that loss, I was, we all had confidence in ourselves that, you know, we can do this thing. And then obviously in the semis, we lost the first game, came back one, two in a row. And then in the championship series against St. John's, we lost the first game, came back and won two in a row. And, you know, I think just the relationship that I had with all those guys on my team and you know, that, that kind of chemistry and, and brotherhood that we had on that team is what, is what took us that far. Because we all had faith in each other, faith in ourselves that, you know, we were, we were going to do this thing. It's awesome. As you're talking through that and I'm thinking about, you know, your best tools, which I still think are your, your hit tools and your speed, but you are incredible. And again, I know that sounds cliche and people think they are, but you guys, and truth be told that team that we had, there were a lot of guys that when it didn't matter whether it was a showcase event for some of the guys that were still trying to get recruited, play to win. It could have been in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Fort Myers. Like, dude, you were always fired up and beside yourself if we were not winning. You must have been a hellion like back in like kickball in second grade. You must have been the ultimate competitor because that's ingrained in you. And I mean that, it, like I said, in, in a good way. You always wanted to win the inning, let alone the game, let alone the tournament weekend, trophies and whatnot. So I think that suits you well and it's probably fueled all all the other accolades. So, so good for you at that. What's your advice for recruiting? You went through the process early. I mean, talk about a roller coaster. You started getting attention early and then it just languished in large part because of COVID for sure. And then it was hard fired it back up. You did all the right things as far as contact and schools. You went to showcase events, but what, what do you think? What would be your advice for somebody? to try to get recruited or what should I be telling? What do you think the parents should be telling them at 15 you going into 16 you fall? Yeah. I mean, what I said before, the, the self-advertising type of stuff, you know, making a list of schools that you want to go to and, you know, a big list and, you know, you can eventually make it smaller, but the schools that you want to go to, you know, you got to reach out to those schools, ask your coaches about them, you know, can I play here? Can I not? And if you do, and you want to go to those schools, you, you got to make an effort to reach out. You know, you can't just sit back and, and play baseball and try and have these guys just come out and see you. Because I'm telling you, if you reach out to these guys and, you know, it's just an email or a text and, you know, they have an interest, they'll come and watch you play. It's It's got to be the self-advertising. It's got to be going up to someone like you, Coach Wright, and saying, can you contact these guys? Can you help them out for me? Whatever it is, sending them videos, texting them. You know, don't, obviously, don't be annoying. I, I don't think I was ever annoying calling coaches or whatever it was like that but the the self-advertising the looking out for yourself and it's gotta it's gotta come from it's gotta come from you you gotta want it the ability just to be like text these guys and be like i'm playing here what it it might be annoying it might be a lot but i'm telling you it'll pay off you know obviously for me it was it was a roller coaster like i was very frustrated but i stuck to it i kept you know reaching out to these schools going to camp showcases, whatever it was. And, um, it eventually worked out for me. So yeah, that's, that's my advice. It's awesome. That's good advice. Well, you've been awesome. I need to finish by asking you just a couple of lighthearted questions, get to know Nick Morbido a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if you were not playing baseball for the Mets or going to Virginia Tech, what sport do you think you would have been great at? I think I would have been a 
pretty good football player. I played my sophomore year up until my sophomore year. I played my whole life before that. I think I could have been like a pretty decent wide receiver, you know, and Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola type, you know. I can see that. Yeah, yeah sure. Did you play any other sports? What other sports did you do recently, like in the last four years? Well, I played basketball my whole life. I actually got cut from freshman basketball my freshman year. But I did wrestling that winter just to... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Were yeah. you a shooter or a point guard? What did you do? I was a point guard. You know, I was smaller, faster, but yeah. But I did wrestling and I just did not like wrestling at all. I was terrible at it too. It's also probably the hardest sport I've ever it played. Is yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, what about fun activities? If you had to pick between skiing or snowboarding and water skiing, what would you rather do? Would you rather be in the mountains or would you rather be on a lake? Uh, skiing. I like to ski a lot. Um, I've been skiing my whole life. So definitely skiing. I love skiing. Any pregame snacks that are a must for you that you have to have, whether it was a high school showcase in the dugout or before the game? Uh, bananas. Definitely bananas. Like one or two bananas. Usually it's just like a banana and a protein bar. But like, honestly, this spring, I probably ate Chipotle before like half of my games. I don't know why. It's just, and everyone advised me against it because it was such a big meal, but I never had problems with it. So. All right. Good, good stuff. Well, let's stay on that. What about celebratory meal? You win a high school, you just get drafted. What's your go-to place that you go to celebrate? You still got time to be on your parents' dime. You're not making money yet. Where should they treat you? Where have they treated you or do you want to treat you? Some place with such just a juicy cheeseburger. Nowhere specific. My dad makes, he, you know, he'll fire up the grill. He makes really good burgers. It's just like a, like a double cheeseburger from my dad or something. It's, 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 it's money. Very good. Simpleton, simpleton. All right. And then who's the best basketball player of all time? LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. He's the go. I can never guess where someone's going to go. I'm very biased. I like Michael Jordan. Good stuff, Nick. Crush it. Appreciate it. Um, good advice for you to everybody. And uh, good luck the next couple of weeks as you start your transition, buddy. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please tune into our next episode, and thanks for listening. <laughs>